afternoon, Bill. How are you? Good, Mike. How are you doing? Good. I wanted to ask you about Cordero Patterson, the running back. Uh, obviously, you used him a couple of times in the goal line situation before Sunday, but on Sunday he had a, two big runs, one on third down, one on fourth round. Uh, fourth down. Um, and I don't know if a lot of people would consider him a look at him and consider him a downhill runner, but it seemed like certainly on the fourth down run, he got downhill and uh, with a little help from Jacob Hollister made that first down. Can you address what makes him so effective uh, in short yardage situations? Uh, well, he's, he's big and he's strong and, and he's tough. Um, he's certainly uh, willing to challenge the tacklers um and, and he's strong to break tackles stay on his feet and you know just fight for that that yard or two a lot of times as you know um when the tackler hits the runner it's you know kind of a tie or it's close and then the runner can push forward um he gets the yardage and if the tackler pushes the runner back then he, he doesn't so uh you know a lot of times it's it's the runner being able to get that extra half yard or yard, whatever it is on his own. Um, just because of the number of, you know, players that the defense can put down there uh, in the front and, and just how big and strong defensive players are. There's, it's hard to move them if they don't want to get moved. And what about his ability to keep his feet moving? It seemed like, especially on the, again, the fourth down run, he kept his feet moving, something you see from a lot of good running backs. Yeah, he's, again, he's a big, strong kid that has good balance. Um, you know, we've all seen him get hit, and he can kind of step through some uh, some arm tackles and, and guys diving around his legs. Um, you know, they hit him up high. He's, as you said, he's got good leg strength. He can, you know, can, can drive through the tackle and, you know, gain, gain positive yardage. So, you know, he's, he's a strong runner. He's a strong runner. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, you're welcome. Our next question from Bob Sosi, followed by Doug Kide. All right, thanks, Stacey. Good morning, Bill. Or good afternoon, Bill. Hey, Bob. Yeah, hi, Bob. Um, hey, uh, question about play action passing and uh, kind of the evolution of it. Uh, yesterday after the game, obviously, you talked about the importance of it and the complexion of the game against the Jets. I'm curious you know, how much has evolved uh, during your career uh, and if the concept of having guards pull on play action passes has always been uh, existent with, with that play and, and how multiple play fakes have now been incorporated uh, sometimes to the back and then maybe with jet sweep action to a wide receiver. Uh, well, on, on the pulling, uh, Bob, I think those, you know, those pulling plays really go back to the wing T offense and, and the wing T most of the plays involved pullers. Um, there were some mm -hmm. power type plays where uh, everybody kind of went in the same direction, um, and there was wasn't a lot of zone blocking. You know, the zone blocking has come in. I would say, you know, more of the evolution of you know Mike Shanahan and um, Alex Gibbs, and you know, certainly popularized. I'm not saying it started there, but it was certainly popularized in the National Football League by by those Denver teams starting in the 90s. But if you go back to the wing T offenses, most of those play actions um, came with uh, some kind of, um, you know, with a puller uh, to simulate the running play, uh, as opposed to the bootlegs. The boot and the bootlegs, uh, those plays, um, again, were part of the wing T offense too. Usually uh, the pullers 
went with the quarterback to protect him as opposed to um, pulling away from the quarterback, which kind of sells the running game. So a little different, you know, philosophy on that, however you want to do it. But, uh, yeah, I think it, it, you know, it certainly affects the linebackers when they see those guys pull, it changes their gap responsibility. And, and um, you know, they, they usually react to that. Um, again, a lot of good players can sometimes decipher those uh, run pulls from pass pulls, but on paper they, they should look the same. And uh, hopefully offensively you, you can make them look the same. Uh, the, you know, those jets, Speed sweeps and speed sweeps, whatever you want to call them. So those, you know, those have been popularized in the last, I don't know, six seven years. And I think they sort of started with Percy Harvin uh, out in Seattle, and then um, obviously other teams have have incorporated them and other plays that go off them, um, a motion, but. It's, it isn't a sweep; it's some other play, but it, it looks like the sweep and so forth. So, I think those have been more recent additions uh, to kind of the offensive uh, schematics. Thank you. Next question, Doug Kite, followed by Mike Reese. Good afternoon, Bill. Hey, Doug. Uh, it seems like Sonny Michelle does a good job of, of I guess, finishing his runs either by falling forward or, or keeping his legs turning uh, for power after the run. But have you just been impressed with his ability, I guess, to, to pick up extra yards at the end of runs? Yeah, he's a strong runner. He's got really good lower body strength. And uh, he, he does a good job, uh, as you said, of pushing the pile, of, of uh, grinding out another yard or two after contact. And his good balance, he, he also – Similar to what we just were saying about CP, his little lower center of gravity, his little thicker lower body. Um, CP is a little, a little more linear, but um, but Sony's got got very good balance, good lower body leg strength, and and he's a, he's a strong, strong guy that can, you know, make yards against I would say bigger tacklers. You even see some of the defensive linemen, the linebackers that that tackle him, and he's. A lot, a lot of times able to push forward for an extra yard or two. Going back to, to Bob's question to follow up also, uh, it seems like Joe and Shaq are, I guess, two of the more athletic guards that we've seen here in a few years. How valuable is their athleticism on those pull blocks? Yeah, really valuable. But, I, I mean, I, I'd say that's, that's kind of been our uh, – we've, we've had a lot of guys um, – you know, that have had those characteristics. I mean, Connolly, certainly Logan Mankins uh, mm-hmm. would fall into that category. Steve Neal's, you know, one of the most athletic players uh, for his size of, of any player that's ever played here. So, um, you know, to be able to, to get out on screens and pull and to, um, you know, reach block and play in space and, and that type of thing, um, you know, those guys have been able to, uh, do that certainly. Shaq and Joe both do a both do a real good job of that. They they both run well and um, have good balance and and make good decisions. You know, and the, there's a lot of a lot of tough decisions that those guys have to make. You know, whether to go in front of or behind a guy or how early or 
soon to leave on a screen or on polls, whether to turn up or read around or um, sometimes there's nobody in the hole and you have to make a decision as to whether to, to block somebody and keep going or just pry it open and, and try to, you know, just block somebody or sometimes there's two guys there and you have to decide which one. And they, they do a good job of just making those good decisions on the run. Um, say the, the hardest thing about pulling really is to, you know, hit, uh, hit a target while you're moving. Um, and hit a moving target, you know, which a lot of times they're pulling on linebackers, which those guys are a lot, move a lot more than the defensive linemen do, like, for example, a trap block would be. So uh, being able to, to hit on the move and deliver a blow and, and hit a moving target that's a, an athletic guy like, um, you know, like we saw uh, yesterday, um, you know, that's, those, those guys do a good job of that, and that's you know, it's not really a, not, not an easy assignment, but look, we see athletic linebackers every week, um, but certainly, you know, it's a challenge to, um, you know, to block guys like Williamson and, and Lee uh, or Adams, you know, they're, they're around the line of scrimmage. Um, they're, they're trying to avoid those guys. And just one final question. So some of your players after the game yesterday said that they noticed that the game was called a little bit tighter by the officiating crew. Did you notice that as well? I think Sean's crew has, uh, uh, that, that they've, you know, we, we had them against the Colts. And um, I think that, the you know, looking at the game, I'd say that most all the calls um, I would agree with. I saw what they saw and um, probably would have called, called some of the same things that, that they called. So I think, you know, on most of those penalties, really, uh, both on them and us, um, in our, on our side of it, I'm not worried about the Jets, but on our side of it, we've just got to do a better job uh, with our fundamentals and techniques and continue to emphasize uh, as coaching points of being in good football positions, doing things the right way so that we don't, um, we're not susceptible to being called on those penalties, but I don't. I'd say with, with very few exceptions in the game, I, I don't really have an issue with any of the calls. I thought they were, were good calls, and they're, we have to do a better job of coaching and, and executing um, our techniques so you know, we're, not, we're not creating an infraction. Great. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, next question will be Mike Reese, followed by Evan Lazar. All right. Thanks, Stacy. How are you, Bill? Hi, Mike. Uh, game, game situation question I was curious about. Um, after James White got that uh, offensive pass interference penalty in the first quarter that um, the Jets um, accept, if, are you thinking automatic field goal there, or were you, would you consider going for it if it was fourth and two in that situation? Probably, I don't know. Yeah, probably at that point we would have kicked the field goal. But, um, you know, fourth and short, that's always a consideration to, you know, to go for it there. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it it happened pretty quickly. I saw as soon as the flag was thrown, I saw Todd uh, pointing and signaling that they were going to accept the penalty. He wanted to 
to take us back and would put it as to uh, I don't know, about a 53 yard field goal or something like that. Yep. So uh, I could see why he did that. So as soon as he did it, that just put us into third and long mode. And um, I don't know, so I wasn't really thinking about what fourth and short would have been. And uh, personnel-wise, OB seeing his first action, um, what what put him in position to sort of to be there? Was that sort of a direct result of maybe losing Nate late in the week, or was that sort of something he had OB himself had been working towards and was sort of part of the plan? You know, from uh, let's say the start of the week. All right. Well, OB's um, been here for a couple of weeks. He's He's a smart kid. He's worked really hard to learn things on defense and in the kicking game. And with any player that's on our roster or any new player that's on our, our team roster or practice squad, um, we just try to move them along and, and see what, what, they're, what they can do, what they're ready to do. And based on our game plan and our game situation every week, um, that could affect their availability or opportunity as well. So, and you just you never know. Um, even if, if the player is expected to play or not play, uh, that could this role could increase or or uh, go from not playing to playing. Um, you know, based on other circumstances. So, you know, all those guys do a good job of trying to be ready, staying on top of their assignments and their uh, the game plan and. If they get the opportunity, then be ready to take advantage of it. And Obi did a good job of that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and unless we have anyone else raising their hand here, Evan Lazar, you'll have the final question. Sure. Uh, hey, Coach. I just wanted to ask you, last week uh, Coach McDaniels told us that uh, Dante Skarnecchia does a lot of work with you know run, uh, designing plays. Uh, in the running game specifically. I was just wondering if you could talk about, uh, you know, Scar's role in terms of uh, designing those running plays and how, uh, you know, successful it was for you guys yesterday. Well, my new, um, in my coaching career, um, both as an assistant um, as, and as a head coach. And this could be done differently at other places, I don't know. But in, in my career, um, the assistant coaches on each side of the ball uh, have an area that they uh, kind of look, look closely in every week. So it could be the running game, it could be red area, it could be short yardage and goal line, it could be play action passes, blitzes, you know, and so forth. Um, and then when the staff comes together, uh, which, of course, everybody sees everything um, as you're watching the game, you, you know, you're preparing your players to play, you, you watch all the plays that come up. But when you go through the game planning process, uh, a lot of times uh, one person will have will kind of start the discussion or bring ideas to the table based on uh, a more specific or intensive study in that area. So um, that's, I'd say, pretty pretty common on, on most every staff, uh, certainly every one that I've been a part of, both as a head coach and an assistant. So um, 
whatever that area is, whether it's, like I said, a red area or a running game or um, defensive third down or defensive pressures or whatever, uh, then you, you know, mention those to the staff, you know, here's what we've looked at, this has hurt them or this has been successful against them and, um, or this team tried to do this and that didn't work very well and here are the reasons why I don't think we should do that or I don't think we should do much of it or, you know, whatever. And then that other people will talk about what they've seen and ultimately the coordinator will come to a decision on um, between the coordinator and the head coach will come to a decision on what, what we will and won't do. Um, and then that's, that's kind of how it goes. So, yeah, so Dante has a lot of input in the running game. So does everybody else. Um, other guys have in, other input in their areas, red area, third down, but so does everybody else. So, I, you know, I, I don't think you can – I wouldn't want to characterize it as the running game is one person, the red area is another person, third down is another person, play action pass is another person, and short yardage is somebody else. Like, that, that's not really the way it works. But at the same time, each individual does have an area that they're – spend a little bit extra time making sure that they go through everything, maybe not just what's in the scouting report, but also going back to previous games that aren't in the scouting report in that particular area to just do further research and, and study it. So that's a long answer to a short question, but that's sort of in a nutshell, I would say, how it, how it works. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, as I see no other hands raised, uh, that is all. Thank you, Coach. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you.